in terms of convincing recruiters about your story. You have to convince yourself first, I think. And mm-hmm. I think in order to do that, you have to do a lot of reflection and you really need to understand, like, why do you want to do this? And if you have, like me, very disparate experiences that don't seem to align when you first look at it on a piece of paper, you have to, like, be very intentional about connecting those dots. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Business Beyond Usual. My name is Adam Fasher, and it is a beautiful morning here in Ann Arbor. It is October 7th, 2019, to all of you listening here at home. And I'm joined here by Saba Omnu, who's co-producing the episode with me. What's up, Saba? Hi. So do you want to tell the audience what we're doing the episode for? Yeah, today? so today we're talking about career pivots. So everything related to... Um, goals, aspirations, and what people want to do when they come here. Yeah, I think this episode is uh, especially important for perspectives listening at home that know what the term is, but don't necessarily know what it entails. But we'll also be including some tips from our awesome panelists here uh, for all of you MBA ones that might be listening and want to figure out how to do pivoting right or the right way. So before we get started, I want to encourage you to get in touch. We want to make this podcast a little more interactive with the audience this year, and we'd love to hear from you. So please send us a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. That's bbupodcast at umich.edu. Ask us questions, suggest episode topics, or just say hi. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some of your messages and answering any questions you have. Awesome. Thanks, Saba. So as we mentioned, today we're here to discuss all things related to career pivots. We have some great panelists today who are going to share some of their journey with us and their experiences that they've had and the lessons they've learned. So I'll just let them uh, go around and give a brief intro about themselves. Can you all just say uh, your name, your year at Ross, your pre-MBA experience and your post-MBA goals? Great. I'll get us started. Uh, my, name, my name is Chris Owen. I'm a third-year MBA student, uh, a dual-degree student with the School for Environment and Sustainability. And prior to Ross, I was in the Peace Corps for three and a half years as a business development consultant in the Natural Resource Conservation Program. And then prior to that, I started three businesses after my undergraduate. Hey, everyone. My name is Gal. Um, I'm actually um, the alum in the room, I guess. I graduated about um, close to two, year, two years ago, um, back in February 2018. And um, prior to coming to Ross, I spent um, most of my career as a consultant, then um, did a quick pivot to um, product management. I guess we'll talk about that today. Um, but then since graduating, I moved around a bit, um, spent about a year in California working as a PM um, for Cisco. And then about 10 months ago, decide to come back here to Ann Arbor, um, just working for a small company. Hell yeah. Awesome. How's everybody doing? My name is Kenny Anor. I'm an MBA one, hailing from Raleigh, North Carolina. Pre-MBA, I was focused on consulting, specifically in the healthcare sector. I did about four to five years of consulting. Uh, newsflash, I didn't love it. So I <laughs> left that job and spent about two and a half years primarily working in entrepreneurship, founded a couple of businesses, and now I am here at Ross hoping to do a pivot from consulting into full-time marketing 
and also focused on more entrepreneurship as well. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead. You're an MBA one, too. Yeah, I am. So I'm Saba Alemnu. As Adam mentioned, I'm one of the co-hosts on the podcast. I'm also a first-year student. Before coming to Ross, I was also in consulting doing healthcare. Shocking. Um, Did it? love it too much. So I actually took another opportunity to go to Ethiopia and work in investment at an investment advisory firm there. I loved it a lot. I got really up close experience with entrepreneurs and I really enjoyed it. So coming to Ross, I'm planning to pivot into venture capital or working with startups. Awesome. Um, so I'll just round out the table. Uh, again, my name's Adam. I'm an MBA too. Before coming to Ross, I was a CPA and a lawyer in Israel and also um, delved into some entrepreneurship, uh, co-founded my own business. Uh, coming into Ross, honestly, I didn't really know what I wanted to pivot into. Uh, so naturally, I did general management over the summer because that's where we all uh, undecided folk end up... <laughs> at, uh, which was great. I just had an amazing experience and I'm going back to it. So I'm, I guess I'm like pivoting and committing to general management. So all, all of you, jack of all trades, master of none, listening out there, general management is probably the place for you. And yeah, let's get started. Um, Saba, you prepped some awesome yeah. questions for us to get the discussion going. Yes, I did. So I'm going to test your knowledge a little bit. Um, So I have a quick game question for you. So I'm going to ask you the question. I'll give you some options. You're going to tell me which one you think is the right answer. So what do you think is the percentage of Ross students that intend to make a pivot when they come here? So is it A, 35%, B, 50%, C, 75%, or D, 90%? I would go with the 75. 75 sounds about right. I'm going to go with D, 90%. 90%? We have a winner. We have a winner. Oh, it is nice. 90%. This is a new orientation. So it is actually very common for people to want to pivot. As you can tell, 90% is a lot. So don't feel like you are an anomaly if you are trying to make a drastic change in your career. It's actually very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Want a gift here or a prize? Hubba? I mean, we can clap it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we just gave you a business beyond usual uh, sticker. So, <laughs> and we kind of knew you were going to win. So. Um, so that's a great pivot pun intended, into our uh, first topic. And I just want to, and I think Saba and Kenei already touched on it a bit, but I wanted to ask you guys, and then we'll take it to the more senior folk among us. Um, Just I wanted to pick your brain on when did you know exactly that you wanted to pivot? Was it when you came to Ross? Was it a certain moment in your career before coming here that spurred your intent on coming to Ross? Just share some of that with the audience. Sure. So um, my story kind of about pivoting, I think, essentially 
had a natural progression throughout my career and honestly throughout my life. I think growing up, um, I always had a sense of what I was good at. And I think that was marketing and influencing people and coming up with good ideas and kind of spreading that amongst my friends and others. I think going out of undergrad, though, um, I didn't necessarily know what job function that would align directly with. I went into undergrad planning to do medicine just because my parents kind of pushed me into medicine my entire life. And I guess I was too young then to make my own decisions, so I just followed that path. Went into school and quickly realized that I wasn't going to be a dentist or a doctor because I couldn't pass chemistry. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do next. I had a mentor who kind of convinced me to stay along the healthcare path but pivot into business. So I got into health policy and management, basically healthcare administration, and that's how I landed my healthcare consulting job right after school. But short, kind of maybe say two to three years after that, while I'm doing consulting, I'm realizing like, okay, you know, I'm not necessarily using all my strengths in this role, and I wanted to figure out something where I could use my strengths, my natural strengths. And like I said, I had started a couple of businesses in my past. My first one started right, at, right after undergrad, so I was kind of working on both projects uh, during my full-time career doing consulting. So as I was working on my c- company, which was the clothing line, I spent a lot of time doing marketing for that. You know, I, Me and three others were kind of running everything, but I was doing all the social media marketing, all the email marketing, et cetera. And there's just a different feeling when I was doing that work versus the work I was doing at the consulting firm. So I knew just throughout that experience that I needed to pivot into uh, marketing. I just didn't necessarily know how. And then obviously you got a lot of friends and a deep network of folks who are going to business school and making those career, uh, career pivots 90% per the data. So based on the data, I knew it would be it'd make more make sense for me to switch into marketing via going to business school. And then obviously Ross being the number one marketing school from an MBA perspective, I knew this is where I should come, and luckily it all worked out, and now I'm here sitting, sitting down with you guys. Awesome. Yeah, for me, it was also a bit of a journey. So as you, as I mentioned, right after, well, first of all, in college, I studied international relations, so no relation mm-hmm. to healthcare consulting at all. But um, one of the things I learned in that role was just a broad set of skills and building out a toolkit that I could transfer to a lot of different things. So I obviously learned a lot about the healthcare space, but I realized um, that wasn't where I wanted to spend all of my time and focus my career. So I took a leap of faith and I took on this fellowship opportunity to go to Ethiopia, which is where my family's from originally. And I got a pretty sweet gig. Like I was able to work directly with the managing partners of the firm. I was working on a lot of special projects for them, um, revamping essentially all of their marketing, working directly with all their um, clients. And they even started assisting entrepreneurs raise capital. And that's when I really realized how difficult it is in emerging markets to get access to funding um, your only option pretty much is to go to a bank and or finance it yourself, which is most people cannot do that. And so it's very limiting in terms of the options. And that's when I realized, wow, this is a really good opportunity. This is something I could really potentially impact. And so coming back, I knew I wanted to figure out how can I break into this space? What does this look like for me? And so I figured investing was the right pathway in order for me to do that. So 
that's how I became interested in venture capital specifically. And one of the ways I plan to get there is starting to work at a startup. Okay, so yeah. if, if I look at the common themes between the, the both of you, the desire to pivot out of your current career is part of what spurred your Ross transition, in a sense. Yes. <laughs> okay. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Chris and Gal, uh, same question for you guys, but with you guys, I, I already know, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> that you guys uh, interned in one function over the summer and then pivoted from that or currently pivoting from that as well for full-time recruiting. So if you can touch on that too at the end, that would be great. Uh, sure, yeah. So, you know, I mean, as our MBA ones suggest, I think coming to Ross is a great opportunity to explore different career paths. Uh, for me, I think two key themes in my career up to this point have, have been the desire to grow and the desire to, to scale impact. And those two themes have probably been the key reasons that I've pivoted at various points in my careers at, the, at this point, uh, coming to Ross being one of them. But then also, uh, uh, even now, considering some re-recruiting options as well. And so this last summer, I was working at a large tech firm, and, and certainly, probably my, it was my number one um, interest um, as an MBA one, uh, recruiting for, for a summer internship role. And uh, I mean, just loved everything about the position, learned a few things about myself, though, along the way. And I think, you know, when looking for a full-time career and a fulfilling full-time career, um, you know, sometimes we get fixated on looking for a perfect job and we forget that, you know, during this process, we're changing, how we're growing is changing, what our interests are changing, our life circumstances are changing. And we have to, you know, make a decision that transcends a number of different uh, categories, uh, everything from geography to how you want to grow, how you want to make an impact, uh, you know, where your family is located, these sort of things. So, uh, you know, during the summer, learned that uh, I wanted to learn more faster um, about my particular function. And so that's what spurred an interest in, in considering some uh, different options for, for this next year. We'll, we'll still obviously entertaining the idea of returning um, full time to that company next year. I think for me, um, like the idea of switching began probably like two years before, you know, coming to Ross. And I think I mentioned before, actually both Adam and I, um, we went to school together back home. So I think for both of us, it was a pretty, um, so, so you both studied accounting. And I think for both of us, it was kind of like a natural feed to go into, you know, one of the big four firms. And we both ended up on kind of like the same department just for competing firms. Um, and our one was always better, but that's, that's for a different podcast. Depending on you, <laughs> um, But it's, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but, you know, at like some point you kind of like think, okay, what do I actually want to do for like the next 20, 30, 40 years? And, and for me, just in doing financial services consulting, I felt like it wasn't satisfying my, my needs. You know, I've always had it like itch at the back of my neck. I was like wondering like, or am I actually going to be able to change something, to innovate, right? To experience something new. And consulting, as you guys mentioned, it's very structured, right? Like you don't really get all these um, opportunities. And then I had a, a, a kind of like a unique opportunity to join a very small company um, as a product manager um, in a pretty 
no, no, not in a very senior position, but it was a great opportunity to to learn from others. Um, so that's when I decided that, that I want to make this change. I kind of like saw the light in a way. You know, I saw that's what what like product management product management is all about, and I decided to do that. Um, and then here, you know, when I when I came to Ross, I had all these plans about going to product management, but it was a little bit tougher than than I thought. And then Adam was talking about internship. Um, so I, I decided to kind of like leverage my background and, and try to leverage it towards what I wanted. So I actually joined a financial services company, uh, which I was a little bit, you know, worried about that. I didn't want, want to go back to it, but I was able to get on a project where I was able to leverage my um, financial services background into more of an innovative area, more product management. Um, so again, that second experience um, really taught me that that's what I want to do. Um, then coming into my second year, I just was laser focused about how do I completely make this transition. Um, so yeah, that's that's my story pretty much. Awesome. Awesome backgrounds, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all roads lead to Ross, I guess. <laughs> Rome, Ross, same difference. <laughs> Okay, thanks everyone. Now, before moving on to the next segment, just a short message from one of our episode sponsors. So today's podcast is brought to you by the Ross Career Development Office. CDO strives to be the world's best career accelerator and source of business talent. CDO focuses on building strategic partnerships with corporate recruiting partners to source quality hiring talent at Ross, as well as train and coach students to reach their personal goals in their career aspirations. CDO serves each student's interests with personalized preparation, whether they are leveraging robust on-campus offerings or pursuing unique opportunities off-campus. Awesome. Thank you, CDO, for sponsoring the show. Now, to once we wrapped up all of our backgrounds in the previous segment, we want to focus on this segment on the challenges both perceived and experienced uh, when making the career transition that we're all going through, or 90% of us. Um, but before we do that, Saba has another question for us. Yeah, I do. And I hope you're not looking at my screen. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a strong accusation. <laughs> oh, my God. Shots fired. Um, he can handle it. Uh, so what do you all think are the top two industries Ross students pivot into? Is it A, consulting and tech, B, consulting and investment banking, or C, investment banking and tech? I think it's an easy one. I'll, I'll let the other guys go first, though. <laughs> it's pretty easy. I'd say I go with group consensus, whatever that ends up being. <laughs> I think it's A. I think it would make sense. Yeah, yeah consulting and tech. Consulting and tech. Yeah. That is correct. Nice. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, that's what bacon is too hard, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the no-eating policy in the... In the well, so if you didn't know, about a little over half, 55% of Ross students end up in consulting or tech. So if that's something that you're interested in, it's very common for people to go into that. Okay, so now that we've had a chance to hear about your backgrounds, um, 
we just want to dive a little deeper, as Adam mentioned. So, Kenne, I'm going to start with you. Since making your career pivot can be challenging, can you describe some of the hurdles or challenges you think you'll face all along the journey? Yeah, for sure. I think initially some of the challenges that I've already faced is pretty early in my journey thus far. I think some of those are kind of challenges that I would not necessarily expect, but just hearing from some family and friends that like, hey, this is a, not the greatest idea. You already have all this experience in you know, this certain industry or this certain field. You have a great job already. Why would you give all that up? <clears throat> Excuse me. Why would you give all that up to you know, chase potentially a less lucrative um, career? Because I think the data will say that you know, consultants uh, make much more money than um, marketers generally do. So uh, just kind of hearing some of that kind of, I want to say negative feedback from family and friends, I think was the first barrier. You just kind of have to be strong and understand your journey, your process, and what you're really looking for in life. I know somebody mentioned fulfillment earlier today thus far in our conversation. To me, that's important. Um, I look for fulfillment. I like to get energy from things that I'm doing and spending most of my time doing. So uh Although I was getting some, getting some of that negative feedback, I was able to push through that early. Now, I think something else that I've realized relatively quickly is there's some skills, definitely a skill gap when you're coming from consulting and looking to going to marketing. I think marketing is a relatively nuanced function, especially depending on where you're going. You're going to be asked to have certain skills that you may not already have from your previous career. So trying to pick up some of those skills is something that um, I'm a little bit nervous about, but I think Ross has a decent amount of kind of resources um, from clubs, alumni, MBA 2s, et cetera, that can help you kind of pick up those skills and learn before you get to the interview. Uh, you got the fat group. You got the – I think we're going to talk about that kind of later on. Mm -hmm. So I won't go into all the resources that are already available. But I think kind of picking up some of those skills, hard skills that are going to be necessary to make the pivot and then also really be able to kind of fight through some of the potential negative feedback that you may get from others who believe you may have already been in a career that was going to kind of take you very far in life. Yeah. I I, yeah, I would agree with a lot of what Kenny said, especially with um, having to essentially convince other people of what you're trying to do. Um, sometimes you don't even have it all figured out, but everyone's asking you 21 questions and you're like, I don't actually know quite yet, but I know this is the path I need to be going down. So I think um, when you don't have those answers, people tend to really question what you're doing. Um, because they're like, well, you don't really know, so why should I even believe that this is going to work? Um, so I experienced that too, and I think it's just something, like Kenne said, you have to just be okay with going down that path anyway, regardless. If that's really what you want to be doing, then you need to just keep pushing forward. That's, that's my belief. Um, I also think some of the things for me personally that will probably be challenging is I am making a big shift. So maybe picking up some of those hard skills might be um, challenging. But I think there are a lot of resources here, which I know we'll get to that later. But um, those will probably be the two things is just having the mental stamina to keep pushing forward and you know, picking up some of the more hard skills that are needed for the career I'm trying to pursue. Yeah, 
And one thing I think is very interesting when you're making this career pivot, especially coming from family and friends, you know, you got to Ross for a reason. So you've been done relatively well in your career thus far. And the fact that people are still like, questioning you, regardless of the fact that you've been able to make it to a top 10 business school, regardless of the fact that you've had a really good job prior to this, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's like, have I not proven myself already? You know, but, you know, still, I think there's that level of uncertainty that I think anybody may feel kind of nervous with, et cetera. So for me, that was one of the biggest challenges, feeling like, have I still not done enough to prove that I at least have a grasp on what I'm doing? And regardless of what direction I'm going, that I'm going to put my best foot forward and take some of the, the necessary steps. So that was kind of frustrating coming from family and friends. But, you know, we'll see what happens. How sure are you guys about the pivot that you've chosen? Just side question. I mean, marketing and... I'm pretty sure, actually. Funny enough, I did the... We all have to do a career assessment when we come here over the summer. And my career assessment told me I was 96% likely to end up in entrepreneurship or venture capital. So I was pretty confident in my decision. <laughs> Data-driven. Data-driven. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, I'm pretty confident as well. I am kind of in the intersection of marketing entrepreneurship for my pivot. And I came here very, very focused on that. And I kind of have a very uh, siloed approach and vision. So um, based on my past experiences and how I feel right now, um, Maybe not 96% confident, but uh, um, upper 80s, low 90s in terms of the direction I'm going. And I think the support that I've received thus far from the Ross community is keeping me very confident on continuing to pursue that path. Yeah. And just to add to that, um, I don't think a test can necessarily tell you what you want to mm -hmm. do, but I think it's a helpful indication of sometimes maybe what you're naturally good at or some of the things you naturally have an affinity towards. It can point you in the right direction, but it's not an end-all, be-all. So yes, my score was really high, but I just think it was more so of a gut check because there were also other things that were high that weren't necessarily things I definitely want to pursue. So it was more an, of an affirmation. Yes, it was more of a confirmation of like, yes, yep. my, my gut my gut is in the, going in the right direction. That's good. Yeah. Can I add one more thing for some of the perspectives that may be listening to this podcast? I think before business school, a lot of people ask you to do a lot of like introspection, reflection, et cetera, as you approach this, you know, expensive, you know, life-changing journey. Um, and I did a lot of that over the summer leading into this. And I think that really also powered my decision to continue along the pivot, just talking to yourself, doing some meditation, understanding what pushes you, understanding things that kind of make you tick, understand what you really want out of, out of your career. Taking time to do that before you get to campus will help a lot. And I think that will help you really understand, okay, what path should I be going down and help allow you to block out some of the noise as you do uh, take on one of the, probably some of the, one of the biggest changes in your career. So um, I kind of advise that we want to take a look at that, any kind of reflection, introspection, um, it'll all be great and lead you down the right path. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as I mentioned before, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. But when I got to Ross... Um, You're running out of time, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty old, in case you're not in the room with us. Uh, so yeah, when, when I got to Ross, I, I didn't really know which function specifically I want to recruit for. But 
what I did do is I broke apart what I really loved at my previous roles and the previous functions that I did. And I made sure that for each function or role or program or whatever that I'm recruiting for, it ticks all of the boxes of the stuff that I am passionate about and that I did find uh, fulfillment in in my previous roles. So that way I know even if I'm taking a sort of a leap of faith or a gamble or whatever, at least I have the elements there that I care about. And yeah. So what about our senior folk in the room, going back to being a grown-up? So same question for you guys. Like when you were way back in uh, Saba and Kenei's shoes, uh, what were some of the hurdles that you guys felt you had to go through? And also now being, you know, Chris, you mentioned considering a pivot on a pivot for your re-recruiting, are you experiencing the same feelings, the the same thoughts or on the flip side, is it making you, for example, more assured in what you're doing and have you experienced all that before and now you're, you know, more just laid back and knowing what you need to know and knowing what you need to do? Yeah, absolutely. I think coming to Ross, uh, I had a big insecurity regarding my ability or confidence in myself to be able to transition into a corporate career or uh, just a different career entirely. Uh, I think those fears probably still exist. You know, some fears just never go away. You Mm -hmm. just kind of keep wrestling with them. Um, With that being said, though, you know, I think your support groups here at Ross are a tremendous asset. And, you know, they're going to instill you with confidence. and They're going to prepare you and equip you, uh, you know, for when those moments come. When, you know, you're in that interview and you're telling your story and you're maybe getting pushed back on, on you know, what they perceive you to, who you to be and who you feel you are and who you want to become. And I think that's maybe one of the big learnings or one of the big hurdles um, so far as, as, you know, our MBA one colleagues have talked about maybe some pushback from family and friends. You know, you also get pushback from recruiters who, you know, look at your resume and see a certain person. And yet, you know, you're in that chair saying, no, like, this is who I am. This is who I'm trying to become. And trying to create a narrative or tell a story that connects those dots is really important um, and, and certainly a big challenge. And I think a second thing is... Um, I love that point about introspection and reflection before school. I think that's so crucial. Two years here goes by too fast. I'm, I've been here for three, and I'm still trying to catch up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think to, to add on that or to, to elaborate, I think, uh, you know, adding a certain ability to adapt and be flexible too. I just, I came out, I'm a very intentional person. I, I do my homework. I, you know, I do all the research. I talk to everybody and, and uh, you know, I thought I just nailed it. And to a ex- certain extent, I did. There was a lot of things about my summer internship that I really enjoyed and that, you know, I think will continue to um, be uh, a driving force for why I choose a particular career. But also realizing that, you know, allowing yourself to change and then allowing your vision for, you know, what uh, your career can look like after school to change as well is, uh, is really important. I think I'll, I'll try and take a slightly different approach. I mean, I, I'll just try not to repeat um, stuff that were said before. But I think for me trying or pivoting into tech and more specifically um, product management, I think one of the biggest misconceptions about it is that if you'd actually ask 100 students and ask them how many of you think that in order to be a product manager, you guys need to have a technological background, I would say that about 80% of them will raise their hands. And I think that that's like the biggest um, 
misconception, and that's I think that's the biggest um, difficulty as well. And I think that it takes two two different directions. The first one is um, you as an individual, you, you really have to break away from that misconception. Like you have to understand that the fact that you didn't st- study computer science, you didn't study engineering, you you haven't been coding since the age of twelve, is not actually preventing you from from pivoting into tech. And and the sooner that you actually realize it, the better it is for you because a lot of people just kind of like half trying, right? Or kind of like trying to get an interview because they're only like half capable of doing it because they don't have a technological background. But again, that's that's not the case. Um, again, the sooner you understand it, the, the, the more time you have to go and, 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 and close that gap because you might have, you know, skills gap, you might know less people in the industry, you might, I don't know, not know as, as, as many companies you would like to. Um, but for me, that, that was one of the biggest um, hurdles I, I had to overcome. And then I would say that the second one is kind of like frustrating sometimes because us as an individuals, we, we think that often that you have, need to be a tech to work in tech. But in many cases, tech companies are also like that. Um, so a lot of companies, like they won't consider you because you don't have um, technological background. But um, I guess the positive side of it is that a lot of companies are also shifting away from it. So I can bring a little bit of um, kind of like inside information. So back um, with my time at Cisco, one of the first um, conversations I had with one of our VPs, he like we we said we had like a one-on-one thing every once in a while. I said, you know what? Like one of the like biggest decisions I've made here is that we're actually going to hire. PMs, specifically ones without any technological background, because we do want these like more business people to come in um, and have more of like a high level view to bring more more innovation, more out of the box thinking, um, try and like challenge us, um, try and change things around a bit. Um, so I think that's really important for people to know, right? If if you are passionate about going into tech, if you are passionate about going into product management, again, understand that you might have to work hard to bring your skills up to speed, um, but also that companies are really interested in you guys now, and that can be actually an interesting, you know, talking point when you go through that process of trying to find a job, really highlighting what else you bring to the table, why you're so different than someone who's been coding for ten or twelve years. Not that. It would be nice to have, right? But you can you can bring other stuff to the table, and and for me that was really you know empowering and like kind of like the thing that like pushed me forward, knowing that y- you get the same chances as everybody else. Okay, so if I'm standing on the side here and just looking at the MBA one perspective and the MBA two perspective, it sounds like a lot of the challenges that we have to face as MBAs is dealing with mis- misconceptions, both of companies and of people and of ourselves, about ourselves. Um, so Kenny and Sabala, is, does anything that uh, Chris and Gal say resonate other than what I said? I mean, does it make you feel easier or does it make it the path ahead clearer for you guys in terms of what you need to do or where you're headed? So I think hearing the idea of having to re- kind of convince recruiters that your pivot makes sense. It's like 
a very key point. We've talked, been talking to obviously a lot of folks from CDO, et cetera, and MBA twos as well. And that's one of the biggest things they talk about. How well can you tell your story and to convince a recruiter that, okay, this role makes sense for you. If I've been doing healthcare consulting for four years, why should this recruiter take a chance on me versus the guy that's been doing marketing already for in four years? And I think that gets to Gal's point as well. You got people that you're competing with who have, have tech backgrounds and you don't have that tech brown tech background. What can you say? What can you do? How can you, you know, change your story a little bit? How can you kind of narrate that story to make sure that it makes sense to the recruiter and to that company? And that's a challenge. Um, I've had that challenge already as I start to talk to some recruiters about, you know, what I want to do in my, in my background. And I think the earlier you start to think about that, the better prepared you'll be when you are right in front of that recruiter and trying to share that story. Um, I think it's a relatively competitive job market right now um, from not only the top MBA schools, but, I mean, undergrads that are graduating and have really sharp skills, especially coming out of Ross as well. So um, being able to convince recruiters that it makes sense for you um, will be a challenge, and I think something that you got to start thinking about early. Yeah, when you consider what uh, Gal just spoke about with the companies themselves and the recruiters, and you take Saba's data of... 90% of us being career pivoters kind of clicks together. I mean, we, Odyssey is all about, <clears throat> sorry, it kind of paints the, what CDO teaches us about Odysseys um, or Elevator pitches to you prospectives listening at home um, in, a, in a different light because we're basically convincing the recruiter why they should take this certain career pivoter from health consulting and take them to do CPG marketing. What are the transferable skills? What are the experiences that you've had? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think I agree completely with everything that's been said. The one other thing I would just say is um, in terms of convincing recruiters about your story, you have to convince yourself first, I think. And mm -hmm. I think in order to do that, you have to do a lot of reflection and you really need to understand, like, why do you want to do this? And if you have, like me, very disparate experiences that don't seem to align when you first look at it on a piece of paper, you have to like be very intentional about connecting those dots. And what is the whole purpose of why you did X, Y, Z? Like, what was the thing that um, made you want to take on that job? And what did you get out of it? So that pretty much is an odyssey. Mm -hmm. um, but... I think spending some time, especially if you're a prospective student, no matter where you end up, I think it's just really important to take the time out and really think about all the experiences you've had thus far and how, like, what can you pull out of them that makes sense in this overall journey that you're going on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as a peer coach this year, and you'll make a great peer coach, by the way, uh, next year, talking about all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> No, because you're hearing about all the stuff that we're, we basically as MBA 2 peer coaches teach the MBA 1s. I've had a lot of, most of my sessions at the beginning of the year was just going over resumes with MBA 1s that don't believe in themselves. They're like, I'm, I'm going to apply to this tech job, but I did consulting before, so why would they take me? This makes no sense. And I'm like, well, you dealt with ambiguity, you had major impact, you innovated, the fact that you did it within a consulting function or a consulting company doesn't really matter. Just bring those things to the floor and the recruiter will pick up on them and believe in yourself. I mean, you, you did such amazing jobs before coming to us that, I mean, it doesn't really matter which where function you, you end up in, you're going to do great. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you said. It's 
Yeah, and just a shameless plug, um, I think you did a really good episode on this last season about imposter syndrome, right? There you go. Star of the show. <laughs> you there as well. Yeah, so if, uh, if you're struggling with convincing yourself, maybe you should go listen to that episode. Yeah, that was a cool episode. Yeah, I guess I'll just elaborate briefly on that. It's just uh, something I was thinking of as, as we were all talking on this topic is, is you know, how much do we allow ourselves to change to fit into this new role uh, that, we're, that we're pursuing? And I think just really paying attention to kind of, you know, your gut instinct and, and how much you're trying to bend yourself to fit into a role rather than just kind of bringing your full self into that space. Um, that's a tough balance. I don't think there's really an answer. You can't prescribe that to someone. Uh, but, you know, I think just being sensitive to that or, or uh, uh, attuned to, you know, how much, um, how much you're changing because you want to change and how much uh, you're changing because you feel that others have these expectations about what you should look like or how you should sound or the words you should use or the experiences you should have to fit into this space. And so I think that actually does touch on the imposter syndrome and, and how important it is to uh, just kind of know who you are and, and know your value. And um, knowing to Gal's point that, you know, companies are, aren't always just looking for a cookie cutter, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's already got that experience, who kind of fits that job description in that place. Maybe they're looking for that unique, you know, that unique insight, that unique background. And, and so just like owning that in a way that, uh, you know, I think uh, can, can, can put you in a position, it can be a differentiating factor um, when you're looking for those, those jobs. Yeah. Anyone else have any thoughts? I, I actually do have a follow-up question for you both. Um, so given you express like what your hurdles are or what your expectations were, how did that match with reality? I know you touched on it a bit with your experience, but how about for you, Chris? So regarding just kind of like how our hurdles actually yeah, reflected like, like our lived experience yeah, in the space? Yeah, exactly. Uh, actually, I, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just start with a story. Um, I was in an interview with a consulting firm this last week and, you know, for my part, saw just like a lot of potential, a lot of synergies regarding kind of my journey and, and uh, where, where I hope to be in the next three to five years and kind of what, what they're doing in, in their space. Um, and the very first question in that interview was, um, you know, basically, why are you here? <laughs> uh, you know, he, he was looking at my resume and saying, you know, you're a really enthusiastic, passionate person. That's great. But, you know, our job is a grind and you're not always going to be working with clients that are, are, you know, working on these high impact projects or these social impact things. And so I think that reflects like this importance of building personal brand or at least understanding um, how others perceive your brand and then being able to storytell your way through uh, your experiences and, and to really fully communicate with that person, like why, why you belong there or why you are there. And so that, that really just brought to light a lot of, you know, what we've talked about this morning um, is, is, is really having a firm understanding of who they are and what they're trying to accomplish and who you are and where you're trying to go and, uh, you know, find the overlaps in those experiences. Cool. Um, I think that's enough about our feelings. I think we gushed <laughs> long enough. Uh, let's take it to the practical part of the episode, which is to give you guys at home uh, advice on how to navigate this a tumultuous time and, uh, you know, come through on the other side where you want to end up. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the General Management Club. 
The GMC's mission is to develop the corporate leaders of tomorrow, leaders capable of making the right decisions at the right time and for the right reasons. With this goal in mind, the GMC focuses on two primary objectives. One is to prepare members for future responsibilities through a series of educational and corporate recruiting events. And the second is to help our students secure internships and full-time roles in general management programs. So thanks, GMC, for sponsoring the show. Now, as I mentioned, for our last segment, I thought we'd spend some time discussing the how, a.k.a. the execution of career pivoting. Um, so let's start with Saba and Kenei. Uh, what resources have, do you guys intend to use at Ross to facilitate this pivot, or what have you used so far, and how has your mileage been? So for me, I definitely plan to use all the resources in the Zell Lori um, Institute. Uh, it's the Entrepreneurship Center on campus. They're really amazing. They have a lot of resources, everything. If you want to build a startup, they can walk you through all that. They have workshops on it all the time. They do competitions. They do sponsorship funding. There are also a number of student-run investment funds on mm-hmm. campus. There's actually a new one this year. It's the International Investment Fund. Um, so not only do they do domestic, they have domestic-focused funds, but now there is a student-run fund where <clears throat> you invest actual capital into companies in emerging markets, and they're starting in India and eventually expanding elsewhere. So that's something that's very attractive to me as I look to go into emerging markets long-term. Um, And CDO, to a certain extent, like just some of the tactical information about interviewing, networking, and tips and tricks. Um, and we're all in a fat group. Mm-hmm. So a fat group essentially is just once a week where you meet with a group of MBA ones and you have a peer coach who has gone through the experience of recruiting for what you are recruiting for. And this year they do have a private equity venture capital fat group, which is awesome. And the fat group leader is amazing. So that has been also very helpful. And I think just, yeah, talking to people as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. So to add on to that, things that I'll mention are going to be the clubs. There's tons of amazing clubs focused on everything from professional clubs, affinity group clubs, et cetera. So for me in particular, looking to pivot into marketing, I'm very focused on the marketing club, so Michigan Marketing Club. You have people in that club, MBA twos, that have already made the pivot. So they're doing exactly what you want to do and kind of give you a playbook on how to make that happen. And then there's also a BBA club which is the digital marketing club. There's only BBAs in that. But again, the BBAs at Ross may be smarter than the MBAs at Ross. You ask, and that's what I've been hearing a lot. So um, this is a BBA club that I actually joined um, because, I'm, I'm not, in my opinion, a lot of marketing now is digital, so I wanted to learn that. So I've joined that club. Uh, in addition to what Saba mentioned, in terms of Zellery Institute, there are tons of other um, resources On the campus as a whole, I think sometimes we get um, siloed in Ross, but if you look at the larger campus, there's so many more opportunities. Not to toot our horn a little bit here, but you have Rackham and all the graduate programs here, which I believe outside of maybe Stanford is the only school that competes with us in terms of having so many mm-hmm. uh, programs, graduate programs that are top 10 in the nation. 
So, you know, go blue. So that's done very well. Just this weekend, I was on a kind of like entrepreneurship ecosystem tour of Ann Arbor, and we went up to North Campus, which I've never been before. And there's a center for entrepreneurship up there that is really cool as well, that has some awesome programming. But you would only know that if you're making sure that you're getting an understanding of all the resources available to you throughout the broader campus. So I think there's options like that as well. And then the last thing I'll mention is um, you got the um, fa- faculty as well. It's some very strong faculty here at Ross. Um, so there's many professors who have been in your space, are doing re- very well in your space, are renowned in your space. So make sure you're taking the time to reach out to folks like that. There's a professor in general, um, specifically that convinced me to come here, for Professor Marcus Collins, who was very well known in the marketing space. And I met with him when I was deciding between here and another school that will not be mentioned on this podcast. But uh, just having some of those connections with faculty will allow you to understand um, what kind of support you can get, not only from students, but also folks who um, are doing very well in the industry and have some very strong connections. So, yeah. Cool. How about you guys, Colin, Chris? I think, um, in my opinion, I mean, one of the biggest assets that, that Ross has, aside from, you know, faculty and network and courses and whatnot, it's MAP. Um, and for those, um, for any prospective student who doesn't know what MAP is, basically a seven-week program um, which is taking pla- um, place in the last term here during the first year. And you're basically being placed assigned to a specific company um, or you're working full-time for that company on a specific project that was um, decided beforehand. Um, and in my opinion, that's one of the best tools and one of the best opportunities for anyone to use um, when, when trying to pivot to a new industry um, because that can actually be your first experience where you work in a new industry or a new function but you're not alone because you're working as part of a group. It's usually four to six students with like one, sometimes two, sometimes three um, faculty members and this is a very unique program. Um, I've done a lot of research before coming to Ross. No other school offers anything mm-hmm. um, anything at that scale. So I think I would definitely um, focus on that. I actually, in, in a certain way, um, got my job offer because I was able to refer back to what I did on MAP. Um, I worked for Pepsi. I, w- I was basically working on, on a new product that is in market today. Um, so that was pretty, um, pretty dope in a way. But um, so, so map is, is one thing. The other thing is really just manage your time. I mean, it's kind of like a vague resource, but it's also a very important one. Um, again, just because you have all that network, all these faculty members, all these courses, you want to make sure that you really use your time here wisely to network as much as you can. Just talk to people as much as you can, because at the end of the day, in my opinion, the best way to learn is, is from other people's experience, right? No matter what course you're going to take at the end of the day with like a two-hour conversation with a person, you can learn something that you would never learn in the classroom. Um, So just use the network, talk to people, and just try to experience and just consume as as much as possible because that's that's what the MBA is all about at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I guess uh, the only things I'd add to that is, uh, you know, when you're re-recruiting, I think CDO becomes really important because you don't have a fact group. And so having those professional insights is, is really helpful. I've, I've gone, on, gone into CDO for a number of, of mock interviews, behavioral fit interviews, case interviews, resume reviews. As, a, as an MBA 2 or MBA 3, that's been really helpful. Um, secondly, friends. You know, um, the Ross community is just so strong. I mean, it, it just it blows me away the generosity and care we have for each other here, um, just on a human to human level. Uh, a friend, a friend, and I uh, were actually interviewing or mock interviewing, casing each other for the same job. We were applying for the same job. We're helping each other, you know. So I think that's just reflective of, of the kind of collaborative community we have here, especially as an MBA two, where you know everyone's coming back from their summer internship with like these data points, right? These unique experiences, and you get to learn from everybody what that ex- what their experience was like and then to try to apply that to kind of what your vision is for your career moving forward. And I think lastly, you know, a resource that we often forget about when we kind of get tunnel vision here on campus is our alumni. Uh, you know, I mean, Michigan just has one of the largest, most powerful alumni bases around the world. Um, in just the last two months, I've, I think I've done over 70 informational interviews with alumni, and they're just so eager to help and to guide. And, you know, there's a premium on their time, so maybe it's only 15 or 20 minutes, but certainly sufficient to, um, to benefit from their wisdom and perspective. I actually attended a, a fantastic event hosted by the Michigan Business Women's Group um, this last week, and, it, and they brought back alumni from the class of 1999. So it's their 20th year anniversary for homecoming this last weekend. They hosted a panel on these women's journeys as entrepreneurs, and uh, it, it was just it provides so much perspective um, from the standpoint that this is just one step. This this job that we're pursuing for after graduating is just one of what will be many jobs or many iterations on our careers. And I think in, in that respect, it was very grounding. And uh, I, I think uh, uh, confidence filling as well, knowing that uh, you see these women go through their careers and be resilient. Um, some things worked out sometimes and sometimes, you know, they didn't. And to see that, you know, they still made it on the other side and, and we will too, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're all going to be okay. We're, we're getting a world-class education here. And, uh, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, um, that brand is strong. This community is even stronger. And in the long run, you know, we're, 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 we're going to be successful. Yeah, I totally agree. I just want to echo what you said. I mean, Ross is such a collaborative environment. Uh, <clears throat> I think I said before, I, I, I recruited in four different functions last year for my MBA ones. And um, the biggest resource I've leveraged by far is the MBA twos that have gone to each and every function over the summer at those specific companies. And they would just I mean, each of them just gave me, and they didn't know me before I reached to them, right? Um, they're good friends today, but back when, when I reached out to them, didn't even know them, had no prior uh, co- connection with them. And they gave me, without even asking or without even hesitating, like hours of their time overall throughout the recruiting experience. So I would urge and, and each and every one of you listening who's doing a career pivot to just leverage the MBA tools, leverage the alums. Obviously, I leveraged Gal a lot with all of his experience uh, going through the same ordeals. Uh, yeah, just leverage people who have done, trodden the same path, I guess, as you guys. They yeah. have mileage. Maybe I'll just add one, one point here as well that we haven't maybe mentioned, but I think is really important. And, uh, and that does come down to just mental wellness uh, and the importance of, of giving yourself grace in this process. Uh, you will fail. 
Like somebody's gonna tell oh, you yeah. somebody's gonna tell you no. And that's a hard thing for people that are really high achieving like us, you know, that, that for the most part throughout our lives we've gotten a lot of yeses um, through our own hard work and intelligence and ingenuity. And uh, you know, just know that you're gonna you're gonna face resistance here. Uh, there is uh, a lot of pressure sometimes it feels uh, to 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 get that dream job. Um, but you know, there's no perfect job out there, right? And you know, I think one of the things that I've heard from that, that alumni panel, as well as you know, fellow friends who are now out in the workforce, is is just holding this process loosely, and uh, and staying human. You know, stay human. Take care of yourself. Uh, take time out uh, uh, mentally and physically, um, and and know that uh, again. You know, in the end, it's it's going to be okay. The last thing I'll say is just to kind of piggyback on that. When I interviewed to come here, um, the last question I asked my interviewer was like, what, what, what would she say is like the best kept secret about, you know, being an MBA or going to school here at Ross? And it took her a while to think about the answer to that question. But she said it was the mental uh, wellness and mental health services that were offered here at Ross. And she just said people sometimes forget how important that is, how demanding, you know, school can be between courses recruiting, you know, trying to network, meet new friends, et cetera, um, but just very much prioritizing that. And that's something that I heard in the interview before I even got here. And now that I'm here, I see that as well. So just to kind of drive that point home, that will be important. Um, you will hear some no's. It's going to feel different, but as long as you can kind of utilize the resources here and be a support network to yourself and your friends, uh, I think you'll be fine. And on the other side, I think ultimately you'll see you are able to step into your greatness. Couldn't agree more. I think that's we, we we won't have a higher note than that. Yeah, I, think to I end don't the episode think so. On. Yeah. So I just want to thank all of you guys for joining Sabine and me for the episode. Kenne, Gal, Chris, thank you for giving us from your time uh, and sharing your thoughts with people who are about to go into the same process, well, or going through the process. And yeah, this has been a blast. Awesome, thank you. We enjoyed it. Thanks. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. Executive producers are myself, Adam Fasher, Andres Fuentes Affleck, and Bob Needham. Today's episode was produced by Saba, Almu, and myself. Jonah Brockman did the recording and editing today as always. Thank you very much, Jonah. And thank you guys so much for listening at home. Until next time, I'm Adam, and this is Business Beyond Usual. Business Beyond Usual.